Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We have reports from Paris that Diana, Princess of Wales, has been killed in a car accident. A plane with the coffin containing the body of Princess Diana landed at the RAF airbase at Northolt, northwest of London, shortly after seven. We are today a nation in Britain in a state of shock, in mourning, in grief. It's been 25 years since Diana, Princess of Wales, died following a high-speed car crash in a Paris tunnel. Her partner, Dodie Fayette, and the driver, Henri Paul, also died in the crash. The reports are that Diana has been killed, Dodie Fayette also died, as did the driver of the car. The jury at the inquest into Diana's death found the collision was the result of grossly negligent driving by paparazzi chasing the car and of the Mercedes driver, Henri Paul, amounting to an unlawful killing. They were apparently being pursued by paparazzi on two motorcycles. Diana was at the time the most famous woman in the world, and many would say she remains so. She was a wonderful and a warm human being. She touched the lives of so many others in Britain throughout the world, with joy and with comfort. Today on The Bell Tale, we look at why that was the case. What was the impact of her death in Northern Ireland and how was the news received south of the border? I'm joined by our features editor Anya Toner, Belfast Telegraph journalists Andrew Madden and Morgan Shanley and Sinead Ryan from the Irish Independent. I'll also be speaking to Paul Costello, who worked as a personal designer for Diana from 1983 until her death. So, Anya, you know, it's almost a cliched question at this stage, but can you remember where you were um, when the news came through, when you found out that uh, Diana, Princess of Wales, had died in a car accident? It was the Sunday morning. Um, I was a teenager. My mother came into my room to tell me that Diana had died. And it was a very strange feeling. It, it felt like it was like somebody, you know, like she had come in and said a relative had died or a close friend had died. Um, and at the same time, it felt almost a bit surreal, like people who are 36 don't die. Um, but yeah, very odd feeling. And even now, I can still remember it as well. It's funny, isn't it, that you can remember where you are whenever certain people are died. It's a strange phenomenon and um, 
there are, I suppose, very famous people. But it's, it is quite strange, as you said, the people you, you don't actually know. And as, especially as a teenager, you know, I'm not sure how aware you would have been of uh, Diana in a wider sense. I mean, I watched the Panorama documentary with my mum in the two years prior to that. I didn't properly grasp a lot or all of what was going on, but I knew that it was important and kind of inverted commas. Um, and I remember the drama that it was that when she got divorced from Prince Charles, you know, when she left the royal family. And I suppose there was a glamour to Princess Diana for me. Um, you know, she's a princess for a start. I mean, who, you know, had to buy into that idea of this woman who who did come from a life of privilege, let's be fair, but we moved into even a much more privileged lifestyle. But she was a mum and I think that's what, I suppose that's what my mum would have thought when the mum when she told me, she was telling me that a woman who had two small boys had died. And I suppose I kind of took that from her then, the kind of, the kind of sensation of that loss, I suppose. A life of absolute privilege in many ways, but now looking back and really zoomed out and seeing the royal family perhaps in a less romanticised way, for want of a better word, we can see that uh, it was privileged, but it was quite horrible in many ways as well. It comes with a price, doesn't it? I mean, I think it's it's difficult not to over-sentimentalise it a little bit. I mean, like I said, she was 36 when she died. You know, that's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to leave your family behind. But at the same time, she had a lot of her own demons, I suppose. You know, she had an eating disorder, she had depression, she spoke quite postnatal depression. She was quite open with it. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why people kind of took to her so much as well, that she was very honest about what she was experiencing. But that's not done. In the royal family, you know, that idea of kind of keep calm and carry on is very much what the royal family is about. That kind of stiff upper lip, that's the absolute embodiment of that phrase. And for Diana to be so warm as a mum, to, you know, openly embrace her children when she comes back from her royal tour, to be seen on a roller coaster laughing and having fun, to take part in the sports day. This was a very different princess than we were used to. Um, And all the better, I would argue, for it as well. And her death obviously had a huge impact um, on the UK. I mean, there was a lot of interest internationally, but in terms of this, the UK was plunged into a huge public grief. Completely. Well, you think 750 million people watched her wedding. I think something like 2.5 billion watched her funeral, including the 3 million people who were in London at the time, um, you know, leaving their their toys and their and their notes and, and their bouquets. And it was, it, it was like, unparalleled you know the UK has grieved before you think of Queen Victoria dying you think of Winston Churchill but this was a different level this kind of a level of emotion had not been seen before but as even the BBC royal correspondent Jenny Bond has said some of this was absolutely hysterical on those days afterwards, it was extraordinary. It was a kind of mass hysteria. There was real grief, though, and I saw that for myself. We heard people screaming her name on the street and, you know, in, in absolute hysterics. So that that was something new as well. It, it was like a week of hysteria, like you said. It, it You know, listen, it's very difficult not to be moved by certain parts of that funeral. You know, the, the mummy... Uh, wreath in, in roses on the coffin, the two little boys walking behind a cortege. But it did seem as if people who had never met her, who who had no kind of reaction or relationship to her at all, everybody seemed to lo- lose their cool, absolutely. I think something like 12, is it 12 tonnes of bouquets were removed from Kensington Palace um, in that week, in that kind of 10-day period of mourning. And it was like just complete 
public mourning on a different scale. And I think it surprised everybody, particularly the royal family. But one person who didn't lose her cool, controversially so, uh, was the Queen herself. She came under pressure in this period in a way she'd never felt that before. Very much so. They issued a... a a statement very early on on the morning of the of the Sunday to say to express kind of their shock and horror at what happened to Diana, but it took five days for the Queen to agree to make a public um, announcement. This was her first public address since 1991, um, at the time of the Gulf War, and she made it in front of the balcony in Buckingham Palace, where you could see everybody behind her on the mall, you know, grieving and, and mourning. Since last Sunday's dreadful news, we have seen throughout Britain and around the world an overwhelming expression of sadness at Diana's death. So what I say to you now, as your queen and as a grandmother, I say from my heart. First, I want to pay tribute to Diana myself. She was an exceptional and gifted human being. In good times and bad, she never lost her capacity to smile and laugh nor to inspire others with her warmth and kindness. Um, and when she did make the statement, she first of all said, you know, I'm coming from this as a grandmother. And I think that is what maybe kind of had a little chink, I suppose, in the kind of armour of the royal family. And she spoke very much about Diana's attributes, how she would take lessons from her, how she hoped the public would take lessons as well. Um, also, breaking royal protocol, she agreed to go outside and she looked at all the, the various kind of bits of mourning, the flowers and what have you, all the little kind of tokens that have been left in memory of Diana. And then she also went to St James's Palace to visit the people who were signing the books of condolence, the, the many books of condolence there. So it did feel like a bit of a sea change in terms of how the royal family reacted in terms of grief, but it did take five days for them to do that. So, Andrew Madden, Princess Diana was no stranger to Northern Ireland. No, not at all. She came here on, on several occasions. Um, the first being back in October of 1985. That was actually a, a surprise visit. It wasn't actually confirmed that it was going to happen until, I think, the night before. A warm welcome for the princess in the heart of Belfast and potentially the most dangerous part of the city for her. She was almost overpowered by the police when she headed straight for the crowds for an unscheduled walkabout. Um, so people didn't know, you know, this was going to happen. And you had to remember, this was a time before camera phones and whatnot. So once she came out of her, her bulletproof car, I think it was um, outside the College of Art, which is now also University in Belfast, um, throngs of people, you know, quickly gathered around and she'd milled about and shook hands with people and whatnot. Um, and then her... That was also her first visit to obviously Hillsborough Castle and she visited a childcare unit in East Belfast at the time as well. Um, and then she didn't wait too long to make another visit actually. It was, well, just shy of two years later. It was in 1987 and that was the first and only time she actually came with Prince Charles. It was after the Enniskill and Poppy Day bombing actually which killed 11 people and she visited their own hospital um, visited some of the, of the victims who were injured and the bereaved families. Prince and Princess flew to St Angelo Airport just outside Enniskillen. Without any delay, they went straight to the Iron Hospital to visit the victims of the Remembrance Day bombing. Um, and then she followed that up on the first anniversary of the Poppy Day bombing um, and came and visited the War Memorial. And then her next visit would have been in November of 1991. Now, this was one of the most less sombre occasions um, she might have came. This was to visit the Bernardo's Family Centre in Belfast. She was actually a patron of that charity for a number of years. Um, she, she was very, very warmly well received. And that was, 
just before um, she would announce she was going to step back um, from royal duties. This was well, essentially their marriage was over at this time with Prince Charles. And then um, in November and December of 1993, she made visits and she visited the Ulster Hospital in Dundonald. Um, and that was, as I say, her final visit. But all told, she, she visited around a dozen times in total. Um, and she was, on each occasion, she was very, very warmly received. And I've looked at footage, as I'm sure you have. Um, the people who did get to meet uh, Diana were clearly absolutely thrilled by the opportunity, even when they found themselves, unfortunately, in hospital or something. You can clearly see it was very, very important to them. Oh, of course. I mean, she, she held um, a close place in people's hearts, you know, being the people's princess and her philanthropy and all her charity work and you had to remember at this time she was the most famous person in the world you know the most one of the most photographs she was on front pages of newspapers every time she made a public appearance anywhere all around the world it wasn't just in northern ireland it wasn't just in the uk it was it was around the globe really she was um an iconic figure and one last thing andrew can you remember where you were uh when you found out that princess diana had died yeah well i was only very young at the time i was only born in 91 but i do remember it very well because my mother, who actually um, you know, come from um, a rural background in a nationalist community, was a huge fan of Diana. And I remember just walking into her bedroom one time and she was in floods of tears. And I asked her what happened and she said Diana died. And even at a young age, I knew who it was. So the time, and you know, she was um, she was going through her stack of old uh, Hello magazines with uh, features on Diana and she was just devastated. And her, her, her own appeal, Diana, went beyond the traditional appeal of the royal family and Almost, almost took the. Did she, was, she, was she almost a rival for the royal family in the end? I think she was the star of a sixteen-year soap opera. To be honest, um, I, we were fascinated by her. I mean, not just. I mean, in terms of what she wore, what she did. You know, how she lived her life. There was just something captivating about her. Iconic, I think the word you could use. She was she was an absolute icon. No matter what you think of royalty or or the tabloid press or the whole culture around this, I mean, an icon's an icon, whether you you know you like it or not. I suppose. But but a different sort of icon than say Elvis or Marilyn Marilyn Monroe, who both died very young as well, and who both left a legacy, say, of of music and films. Diana didn't leave that, and yet she still has the power twenty five years on to captivate us. And I think that's probably because, partly to do with her age, because she'd only be, you know, in her early 60s now and she was starting this kind of post-royal family life. And I think there were so many people who were willing her on for that. And the fact that she didn't get to have that and didn't get to see her children grow up is probably one of the reasons why people are still so captivated by her. Fashion designer Paul Costello designed Diana's clothes for many years. I asked him, what was she really like as a person? Yeah, yeah. We we with a good working relationship. Um, you know, I would go to Kensington Palace. I would get my little cup of tea and a sandwich and a and a scone, and we'd uh, just really just go go through the garments. Um, I'd bring so many garments in, and she'd um, make her selection, um, and I'd make a few alterations, and um, she'd she'd bring in the boys, Harry and William, when they were small and she, she she was just a very natural woman and you know um, yes I thought she was somebody described her as the first ambassador of, of British fashion and she probably was but, but but she certainly had great a great influence um, worldwide which was amazing you know and, and I 
obviously, I have never been in Kensington Palace and I've certainly never met royalty with their children. Was she, I suppose it might be almost a prejudice question, but when her boys were with her, when you saw them in their home, was it just like any other family or, or was it different? Uh, no, it was just like any other family, really. You know, she brought them in and she she, she obviously brought them up very well. Those manners were, were very important to her. They were brought up really, really well. And in, in, a, in a way of, for any mother, she would she would be probably looking down on them and be very proud of both of them. Yeah. And, and obviously, I, I understand you know, your, your relationship with um, Diana, you know, you were there as a professional uh, providing a service for Diana. So, and, and I take that on board. But did you notice a ch- did, did she change over the years? Was there was there anything noticeable? Um, well, you would you would have noticed it. Maybe I know. I was like I was at I suppose the um, at the period of of um, of how would you describe it um, of the more happier moments. Uh, the um, Prior to any uh, rumours spreading out, and, and in fact, I was quite involved just just after she got married and had and had her children, so it was at a very happy time. Um, but but yes, um, there, there was a period where, um, let's say, I I I, I wasn't uh, required anymore because she got involved with Elton John, and 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 the, just like sort of Dolce Gabbana, and I think that was when she was. Um, Maybe maybe uh, playing playing cards with 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 other other people to some extent, and um, she was testing the waters a little more. How do you remember Diana, and how do you think she should be remembered? Well, I I, I, I remember as being very charismatic, uh, very friendly, very warm. Uh, she had a she was about I don't know her height but she's probably about five five nine so she was very easy easy to um, dress uh, she was um, she didn't mind taking her clothes off in front of a man and uh, just having and like try on one garment after, after another um, and um, she she had such good manners. She would write. I I oh yes. First thing, the one thing I do remember. The first time I arrived in Kent, I brought her flowers, and she was so thrilled to receive those flowers. It was really it was an amazing. She really loved getting the flowers. I don't think that Charles ever gave her anything. Now, certainly not flowers at that point. And um, I think it's something I um, I did, and I did it on a regular basis. And um, it was um, it was wonderful. And the only other thing was that um, when uh, they had separated, even before they had separated, we, we always got Christmas cards from both of them. And at, at the beginning, they, they, they sat side by side and, and their children in the middle. Then they slightly veered to the left and right. And then the last card we, Christmas card we, we, we got was, was where she was on her own with the, with the children, you know, the, the official uh, Buckingham, um, Buckingham Palace uh, Christmas card. So it's kind of interesting in that it told its own story. And, and finally, and I know it's uh, I've been asking everyone this, I suppose, with uh, as I'm producing this podcast, and it's uh, I suppose it's a distressing question to ask for people who knew Diana. But can you remember where you were 
when you heard this news that she passed yes, away? Yes, I was. I was still living in Dublin, and I was, it was I'm one one of these people who always have a radio on late at night. And um, yesterday, the, the news broke on 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 the news that, that that she was in an accident, but they didn't say she was she was dead by any means. So it was then after that that the news kept coming through, and eventually you heard that that, that she had died, in fact. And um, it was it was terrible. You know, we we all went and turned turned on the television and we just sat sat through that day of, of darkness and misery i suppose my i think i don't know how many of my family were there at that point but probably nearly the whole house um and it was um a very dramatic day and i think i probably did cry in fact i did cry now there was also extensive coverage of diana's death in the republic of ireland sinead ryan why was that and what did it mean well, I think we have to go back I, somewhat to the reaction Irish people had and have about the royal family in general and how Diana, I believe, shifted that focus slightly. Uh, I mean, it was only 1979 when Lord Mountbatten was murdered by the IRA and we had the Troubles and the Paras and all that kind of stuff going on. So so the fact that there was a royal wedding on just two years later when Diana and Charles got married in, in 1981, you, you would imagine there would have been no interest from Ireland. In, in fact, there would have been hostility towards any coverage of that. Uh, in fact, that wasn't the case. Uh, there was a huge fascination with it. Um, I remember seeing it myself. I was glued to the television at the time. Uh, and really, I think the feeling was there was a shift here. She was seen as a, a celebrity, I suppose, in her own right. It was the first time that we witnessed the true and massive effects of the paparazzi. Um, any newspaper editor, magazine publisher you spoke to um, in all the years she was uh, alive would say that their sales tripled and quadrupled because she was on the cover. So, so there was that feeling that she was in the royal family, but she was apart from them. And I think to some extent, maybe that gave Irish people permission to get involved in this soap opera. And so when she died then, it was the equivalent of the world's most famous, it was the world's most famous celebrity dying. Suddenly, at a very young age, mirroring somebody like Marilyn Monroe, who also died at the age of 36, uh, but leaving these two little boys, all the stuff we had learned about the wedding, the marriage, the separation, all all that kind of stuff. So we were invested in her at that stage, really, to a large extent. And then when she died, it was truly... Uh, shocking. Uh, in terms of, of the impact of it, I mean, look, Irish people have this love-hate mixed relationship with anything to do with the British government, to the army, to the royal family. However, uh, I, I think Di- Diana kind of stood apart from that. It was like she was part of it, but she wasn't. And as a result, her, her death allowed us to kind of mourn and grieve in a way that we wouldn't for any other member of the royal family. The British Embassy opened a book of condolence and I went in to to sign it and I felt I would be the only Irish person there. I, I was just faintly maybe embarrassed to do it, 
in fact, the queue went around the corner. I was an, I was over an hour waiting to sign it. So, so I think there is definitely um, a, a sense that, you know, she was, a, it was a kind of um, a zeitgeist that we love to hate. Can you remember where you were um, when the news came through, when you found out that uh, Diana, Princess of Wales, had died in a car accident? I, I can not only remember where I was, I will never forget it. It was really a shocking seminal moment, as I think it was for many people. Um, I I had a very small baby. I just had a baby and uh, I ha- had had my first dinner party. I had a few friends over for dinner the night before. Um, uh, the night she died, really. But I, I got to bed late and I thought I'll... Deal with, you know, when I'll get up in the morning, I'll, I, my husband had said, I'll take the baby and don't worry about it. So I was getting a lie in, which was a very rare occurrence back then. And he woke me up to tell me that Dodie had died in this horrific car crash in Paris. And then as I turned on the news, I realised Diana had died as well. And it was shocking. I, I really did not believe it. And like that, I was then embroiled in the news coverage from then on. I wasn't a journalist at the time. It was literally, uh, I suppose, um, the way I I imagine that Marilyn's death or Elvis's death or, you know, the the early and shocking death of of somebody that you felt you had come to know and who was a global celebrity. Uh, We've been asking people about what their memory is of the day Diana died. I was standing ironing in the house and it it came up on the TV. I remember I came home and uh, I'd just been out with my friends. I think I was uh, about 16 years old. I woke up in Dublin um, staying with a friend um, after having been at the U2 concert. So I was driving home actually. But what about in Paris itself? Belfast Telegraph journalist Morgan Shanley was a teenager at the time, living just a few miles from the scene of the accident. Morgan, what are your memories? I remember just waking up that Sunday morning. Uh, I remember it quite vividly being a, a lovely, a lovely Sunday morning, very sunny. Um, but I could hear the radio on downstairs in the kitchen, which would have been unusual uh, for Sunday morning breakfast time. So I got up and. Just from the upstairs landing, I, you know, asked, shouted, what's happening? What's happened? And my dad said, Diana has died. And in French, we would have called her Lady D. And I said, wow, that that was shocking in itself. And then he said where it had happened. And I I really had to ask again because I couldn't quite believe it because Pont de l'Alma, where the accident took place, was just five miles away from my childhood home where I was that morning where where I woke up so it felt really shocking because it was all so familiar and the news all day that day just felt like it had just all happened around the corner the name of the hospital where you know she was pronounced dead was a very familiar hospital to me you know the news on the television and the prime minister going to visit the hospital the interior minister going to visit the hospital that day then the French president going to the hospital to uh, welcome Prince Charles when we, he arrived that evening to to bring the body home. That was that felt really shocking, but also quite surreal. So, was this a massive story in France? It was. It was because, I mean, Diana was probably one of the most famous persons in the entire world when she died. 
Uh, so the fact that that had happened in, in, in France was, was massive, as I say, you know, um, everything stopped that day in France um, to react to the news of, of her death. And, I mean, the entire French government and states, you know, was was involved in in how the day unfolded that day. Anya, as a journalist, obviously you're our features editor. I mean, we're talking about that level of captivation. She'd never been out of the news. And here we are talking about her and everyone else is talking about her on, on, on this anniversary, this 25th, uh, 25 years on. What is that staying power? How can you remain news in the media 25 years after your death? Which is all the more interesting being that that's not too far away from how old she was when she died. You know, she's almost been dead for as long as she was alive. Um, and I think if you were trying to explain her appeal to somebody who never heard of Diana, Princess of Wales, I think you would find it very difficult because, like I said, this idea of privilege that she grew up in and to try and explain how she felt so close to the people who who thought they knew her, who wanted a good life for her. Who, You know, this is a woman who held hands with HIV patients, who walked through fields of landmines, who was very open about her own demons and who spoke for a people who maybe weren't given a voice at that time. And I mean, if you look at the people who were mourning um, in the mall 25 years ago, there was all ethnicities, all ages, and openly weeping for a woman who they'd never met, and yet who they felt did something for them, acted for them, spoke about them, gave them a voice in a world that didn't want to, at least then didn't want to hear from them. I think that's pretty powerful. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, sound designed by Graham Davidson. Clips from the BBC, AP, ITN, National Geographic. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.